How do you make decisions? Is it feelings? Is it what you feel in the moment? Is it what um, the circumstances of the moment say? Is it um, one of these, you know, whatever, whatever way the wind's blowing today, whatever, whatever the path of least resistance, that's the direction I'm going to go. What we're going to see today from this text, I think, in First John, or Second John, sorry, um, is that there should be a, a set in, in each of us, certainly in every believer, but in each of us, period, there should be a set of core values, a set of principles, a set of bedrock things that are nailed down, that are true and solid every time, 10 times out of 10. Now, do we always make decisions based on those principles? Probably not, or our life would go better. Uh, there'd be less struggles, there'd be less, less uh, there'd be probably fewer valleys if we made, made decisions based on those principles all the time. Certainly the principles of God's Word. But if they're there, and if they've been sewn in, and if they're nailed down, or glued down, or anchored down, or however you want to look at that, in your life, if they are there, those bedrock principles are in place. There's a great deal of foundation for us to work from for making decisions. And, and consequently, uh, we have, or, or should have at least, fewer regrets because of that. We, we looked at, in the very first week of, of our study at First John, this principle of obedience. And then we looked at the, through the remainder of John, First John at least, um, these essentials of hearing the Holy Spirit, knowing our identity, seeing what love does, looking that there should be some contrast in our life between ourselves and the world, looking at what, at what love is, and he defines for us what love is in chapter 4, answering this question, who is Jesus, both to the world and to us, and then the last one, living what you know. And here he, he kind of sums up, and we'll see a little bit more of this next week in a different light, in a different direction. But here he kind of sums up by saying, you know, it's really important what you believe. It's, it's really important that you believe the right things because those are bedrock things. Those are the things by which other people are going to see from you. Is he serious about this? Is she serious about this? Or is this just something on Sunday? Is this just something that happens out of convenience? Let's look at this text together and glean up a few things this morning. Beginning in verse 1 of Second John. The elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children. Now, before you get sidetracked on who the lady is, the lady is referring to the church. And he, and he likely uses lady as, as code language here so that they get it and they understand it because there, is, um, there began already, in fact, it was already in place at this time, that John is, this is later in John's life, um, almost bef- very close to, exi- to his exile at Patmos, very near the, 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 the close of his life and in, in his latter days. And so there is already a great deal of, of spiritual oppression going on in the world. And Christians are being, are being burned at the stake, are being martyred for their faith. And the Roman government, you need to understand, is, is in charge of this, all this section of Asia Minor that's going on here, that where these, church, these new church plants that John are writing to are in place. And so likely um, they're screening mail. They're screening the things that are, ha- that are letters that are going from one place to another, to here, especially to a church. But they're screening mail from, from individual to individual or, or person to person to see is there a seed of, of dissent here? Is there a seed of rebellion that we need to know about as the government? So that could be, I don't know that it is, but it could be why he refers to the church as the lady instead of just saying to the believers here or to you or to the church. It refers, refers to her as a lady so that that'll, it'll kind of pass by the Roman eyes and hands and get to where it's supposed to go. Chosen by God and to her children, the, the, the believers there in that church, whom I love. And not I only, but also who, those who know the truth. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. 
It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you as a new command, but as one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. This is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world, and any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead does not continue in the teaching of Christ and does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring his teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and walk with you face to face so that your joy may be complete. The children of your sister who is chosen by God send their greetings. Now, what you believe, I want to see three things here. There's probably at least seven or eight, but we'll have time today for, for about three. Let's look at the three things that, that should matter about what we believe. What we, what we believe should be grounded initially in the Word of God should be grounded in the Word of God. The things we believe, the things we make decisions upon, the things that are those bedrock things that that are going to ride over the importance of circumstances, ride over the importance of convenience, over the importance of opinion, should be the things grounded in the Word of God. Look at what he says there in in verses 4, or verse 4. It's given me great joy to find some of you walking in the truth. Now this idea of walking in the truth is that it, it is intended to be a practice, not the exception, but the norm. It's it, this idea of walking in truth, it says, says literally, this should be something that's a pattern in your life. Not something that's exception to the rule, but something that, something that looks like you regularly. Um, it's, it's really important that we surround ourselves with people who will push us toward godliness. And I, I, I've often referred to, to this in two different spheres. One is this inner circle of friends you have, and you can probably number them on one hand, of friends you have that, that you've given permission to, to open any box in your life. You, you, you give them permission to push back against the things you say, the things you believe. You give them permission to challenge you. They have a platform with you. You trust them. They trust you. Those, those, as I say, those people, you can probably number on one hand. And then there are those around the periphery of your life, those peripheral people that you, some may call them acquaintances or friends, but they're not on the inner circle. They're not, they're not people you give them permission to, to delve into your world and to push buttons with you and to kind of scratch open the things that need to be scratched open with you to challenge how you think, what you say, the things you believe, the decisions you make, and, and back and forth, vice versa. But it's important that these inner circle friends push us to godliness. Now, if, if you don't have those kind of friends, I would encourage you, regardless of your age, whether you're 6 or, or, or 86, to begin to look for those kinds of people because we all need them. As I've said before, often we need somebody pouring into us and we need to be pouring into someone else. We need to, we need to be a funnel of someone else's wisdom, someone else's experience, someone else's challenge, someone else's stirring. And that needs to be poured into someone else's life behind us who are either green or new in their faith or uh, need somebody to bring them along. These inner circle people are important. It's important that you have those kinds of folks in your life. And if you don't, I want to encourage you today to begin to look for those kinds of people. As I say, if you've got one, <laughs> that's, that's, that's okay. But if you've got four or five, that's even better. If you have none, guess what? You're an island by yourself. And the enemy, the Scripture says, is seeking to devour you. <laughs> He's coming after you. To, 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 to annihilate you. So it's important that these inner circle friends be these kinds of people who have this pattern of walking in the truth, have this pattern that it's the norm in their life and in yours, that, and we'll stray from it and we'll dis- be disobedient from God to God from time to time. But the pattern, the things that brings us back, is the truth that we know to be true. And we're walking in that. Now, here's a, 
Here's an experiment uh, uh, that you can, you can do at work tomorrow, one day this week, with those peripheral people, those people in the, in the outer circle of your life, those acquaintances. Tell them, uh, <clears throat> I've been reading a book. I've been looking at a book. You don't have to tell them it's the Bible. <laughs> don't say that yet. I've been looking at a book. And this book says that what I believe is important. It says the things that I believe, my core principles, my core values, my priorities are really important things. What would, what would be your, if I ask you to, to, to spit back to me the two or three most important things in my life, what would you think those are? See, look, look for the kind of answers you get. Now, the people in your inner circle should know you well enough to, to say, well, it's this and this and this. People in your outer circle are going to get reflections of those things. They may not get the, 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 the true identity of who you are all the time, but they're going to get reflections of, of those things that are probably more accurate than you think. Ask those kind of questions of a peripheral person to say, what are the two or three most important things that you think are, 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 are of high priority with me? See if any of those come back. My walk with Christ, uh, my, my, my disciple, being a disciple of his, my growing in my faith, becoming more like him, understanding his, his nature, his principles, his word, his truth. See if any of that comes back to you. If it doesn't come back to you, guess what? It's not getting across. As badly as we want it to, it's not getting across. So those, are, those, those kinds of peripheral people are, are in, important and good people to bounce things off of, but the people that need to challenge you and push the buttons in your life say, hey, this isn't, this isn't biblical in your life. This doesn't look like God's word. It doesn't look like Jesus. This attitude, this, this, this mannerism, this decision, this, this thought, this, this comment. And we need those kind of people in our world and in our, in our life. Turn to Matthew chapter 22. I want you to see something here that's really important um, about the, that really gets to this idea of, of he, he says in this verse, from the beginning, that you've had this from the beginning, that you've walked in truth from the beginning. And <clears throat> actually, to go all the way back to, to Exodus 20, we see the, the, the original command, the, these commands that he's referring to in Second John are, that are commands that you've had from the beginning. Here is the reference that Jesus gives to those things and to the value of those things in, in verses 34 to 40 of Matthew 22. Look at that with me. <clears throat> Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, that's the legal side of the religious leaders of that day, all the lawyers. The Pharisees, who are the relig- religious side, the priests, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus says, love God with all you got and love others as much as you love yourself. Those, those two things hang on. He said, that's what the things he's referring to here in Second John, from the, these commands from the beginning are those commands. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All you've got. I'm all in with him. And I love, each, I love my neighbor. I love each, we love each other as much as we love ourselves. And he's saying here that, that that's the evidence in verse 6. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his command. We walk in obedience to the word of God. As you've heard from the beginning, his command that you walk in love. What is he saying? Go back to what Jesus said. Love God, love others. It's great to, to, to do and be a part of Christian service. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, that that's, that's great evidence, the fact that we have a walk with Christ. But loving each other is the greater, greater evidence. Loving each other, especially to a lost world who needs to see Jesus in you and Jesus in me. Loving each other, he says here, is the greatest evidence that you have a relationship to Jesus. Why? Because that's unnatural. <laughs> it's unnatural to love people beyond where it's convenient. Our world loves where it's convenient and stops when it gets, when it gets dirty, when it gets nasty, when it gets a little bit 
off-putting or, or you're, you know, you're marginal with me now. And the love stops there, and we start observing instead of loving. So it's unnatural to love somebody beyond where they deserve, beyond where it's convenient, beyond where it's easy. That's very unnatural. That's the louder witness he's saying to this world. It's that unnatural, unconditional kind of love that goes beyond where it's convenient to go, where the rest of this world goes. That's the greater evidence of your walk with me. And he says in verse 6 that obedience, that we walk in obedience to his commands. Obedience looks like love in action. It looks like our loving people beyond where it's convenient, loving people beyond where this world at least would say they deserve. But get this. This is really important as it relates to love. Loving well shouldn't glorify love. Often it does in our culture. Loving well should certainly not glorify you as it sometimes does in our culture. Loving well should bring glory to God. He should be the glory receiver of our love. Not each other, and not, certainly not us, and not love in and of itself. I think that's, the, that's the, the, the part that our culture plays oftentimes. So, you know, love just by itself is enough. No, it's not. Because as we look at back in chapter 4, it's impossible to love. It's impossible to know love, to experience love, or to give it apart from knowing God. Now, we can give affection, or we can give emotion. But we can't give love apart from knowing God, chapter 4 says. So he says here, the greater evidence here of your love for me is something that goes beyond where it's convenient. It goes beyond anything explainable. It's not understandable. It can't be defined, this love that we have for each other, he says. And that is the greater evidence of your belonging to me. That kind of love will bring glory not to love, and certainly not to you, but to me. That kind of love brings glory to me, and that's his desire. What we believe should be grounded in the Word of God. These commands in the Word of God are to love. Secondly, what you believe will be tested in the culture. It's going to be tested in the culture, and it should be. It's, that's by design. Look at verses 7 and 8. Many deceivers <clears throat> who did not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world, and any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you've you worked for, <clears throat> but that you may be rewarded fully. <clears throat> this copy of the word that you hold in your hands, that you hold in your on your phone or in your iPad or have, whether it's digital or, or, or manual. Um, what's that song by Miranda Lambert? That, uh, automatic. automatic. You know, back, back before the, everything was automated, uh, there, there were printed words on a page. And, and whether you're looking at words on a screen or words on a page, what I want to get across to you is, is if this is not a <clears throat> ultimately accurate and infallible truth to you, find something that is something you can believe in, something that can, that can be nailed down in your life to say, I'm basing my life and everything in it on that. And if this isn't it, find one that's better than this. Find one that's more accurate than this. Find one that contains more truth than this does because I'm telling you, it's, it's every, everything in life is based on something. It's either based on how you were raised and how you were raised is based on how they were raised and how they were raised is based on how they... Everything in life is based on something, but originally everything goes back to something, to some reference point. It's, uh, now, our world would describe that as morality. Our culture says, you know, you're either moral or you're immoral. Well, morality had to start somewhere. You know where it all started? It all starts in the Word of God. Every truth, every right, every wrong originated in its original form in the Word of God. Now, our, our country can, can deny this, but our country and our nation and, and, and veterans who have fought to keep it free and, and to keep what we're doing here free was grounded in the Word of God, our Constitution, the very early founding documents that we have as a nation were, were, were grounded and referenced oftentimes the word of God. 
It is and should be the truth by which we make we take a stand. The truth by which we say these are the things I believe, that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe this from now on. I'm nailing this down. I may not adhere to it all the time, and I may not look at like that all the time, but that's the things I believe. Those are the core bedrock principles I believe. If they're not based in this book, I'm gonna tell you find something that has more truth. I challenge you to find something that contains more truth and more more validity and more accuracy than this than this book. You, you'll that, that'll be a futile exercise. I'm convinced. There are deceivers in the world, he says here in, in verses 7 and 8. These deceivers he, he talks about as the Antichrist. Um, some, I, I'm convinced, don't even know it. And there are deceivers in this world today. Some, I'm convinced of them, have no idea. They don't even know it. It's, 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 it's never registered with them. But some do, and some are intentional in the things they do and in the, in the, in the confusion they try and create, not only in the kingdom, but outside. <clears throat> I was, uh, <clears throat> that's why it's so important that we believe the right things. And that it doesn't, we, we go beyond just what's on the surface. I was listening uh, this week, I uh, can't remember what day, to, to Halloran Hilton Hill on, on uh, Newstalk. And he had uh, a uh, professor from UT, Dr. Harold Black, who was an economist at UT on his show. And they were talking about different things about the economy. But he, he finally pushed Black in on the things you believe, the ways, the ways you make decisions, the principles that you base some of your decisions on. Where does that come from? And, and part of what, where that came from, as Dr. Black described to, to Halloran, is he said, well, my dad challenged me in a lot of areas in my life about the things, the way, the way I believed and the things that I believed. And, and he, had a, he had, a phrase, uh, had, a, had a phrase that he used with me often that, that whether, it, whether he heard coming from me or from someone else, well, that sounds good. Well, that sounds good. And he, had a, he would always follow that phrase with, that sounds good if you're interested in sounds. If you're interested in something besides sounds, then find something that's true, that you can nail down to be accurate all the time. And that was what Dr. Black was trying to uh, illustrate to Halloran of, of, you know, some of these economic principles that we're we're basing entire businesses and sometimes our entire economic structure in this country on sounds good, but it's based on cards, you know, that we we hit the bottom and it it crumbled, it, it could crumble from time to time. So that's, but this idea, though, he's saying that there are deceivers in the world that have gone out into the world. He said he describes them here in bold language as they are like the Antichrist. In fact, they, they look like and resemble the Antichrist. He said these deceivers that have gone out into the world to deceive, to, to mock, to, to challenge the, the very truth that he just wrote about here in verses 4 to 6 to say, if we're walking in these commands, and he follows this up, I think, to say, you're going to be challenged. If you're going to walk according to the commands of the Word of God, you're going to be challenged. Your beliefs, the things that you, you hold to be true 10 times out of 10, are going to be challenged in this culture, and they are. Your beliefs and mine are challenged in this culture. <clears throat> it, it, um, it was interesting to me to watch the election returns this past week and see the different comments all over the spectrum <clears throat> in the paper, on the news, from the pundits, from the political people, from the non-political people, to, to see all, all of the explanation of what... what the reasons beyond that is, and, and those reasons, those explanations have to deal with, here's my point of reference. Here's what I believe. Here's what I know. Here's what I think to be true. And then we spout off uh, the things, the, the, how that how that spun in our world and in our culture, certainly as it relates to politics. But he says in verse 8, two great words that if, not, if they're not underlined in your, in your copy of the Scripture, they need to be underlined or highlighted. If you have a digital copy, grab your highlighter and drag it over there to highlight it in yellow. Watch out. Two commands that he gives, two words that he gives us in verse 8. Watch out. These guys are good. They're crafty. And the challenge that comes is going to make a lot of sense sometimes, as, as, he, as, as Dr. Black said, that 
It sounds good. It's going to sound attractive. It's going to sound like truth from time to time. In fact, it may even be masked with a little bit of truth where you can digest it, you can swallow it and absorb it. But he says, watch out and be careful not to go backwards because he's saying in verse, verse 7 and 8, the things that you've worked for, the, 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 and we've talked about those here a number of times over the years, is, is that there are markers in your life. And oftentimes markers come from valleys. But there are markers in your life that says, you know, here's what God did here. Here's the things he did here. Here's what he did then. Here's what he's doing. And those markers in your life are things that are going to be challenged, he said, by the deceivers that have gone out into the world to say, the things that you've based those most significant markers on are all shaky. So that's what, and, and so if you and I are not, are not grounded in the things that we believe and know what we believe, we're going to go backwards. He said, don't lose, the, don't lose the progress you've made. You've made some spiritual progress. You've grown. He's, and, he's, and he commends him here for it. I, I, I think it's great that you're walking in truth. Many of you are walking in the very truth, and you're being challenged by it. And I'm going to tell you, the Romans aren't, aren't for you. In fact, they would tear your church down. If they knew it existed, you're probably meeting in secret. So he says, you know, the things you believe in this culture and in this culture are going to be challenged. So he said, we need to know what we believe so that we don't go backwards in that. Why is that such an important issue? Because this is true in our culture and today where you and I live. Associations and alignments are very different things but are very important. It's important the people you associate with. You know, your mom said, you are who you hang around. She was right. The associations we have, the alignments we have, are the alignments we have. What I'm talking about by alignments, I'm with these people. I mean, I believe, I've often used this illustration before in the context of small group and, and even here on Sundays, is there are people I'm with, there are people I'm for, and there are people I'm neither for nor with. Now, I'm with Doc King. In fact, if one of the weather people in town says, 100% chance of sunshine today, it's going to be a beautiful day, and he tells you it's going to rain, you better grab your umbrella. I'm, I'm, I'm with the things he says. I've walked with him. I've seen his life. I know enough to, for that to be true. I am for um, this particular denomination here that, that meets at Spring Place, PCUSA. I'm for them. I want them to reach people for Jesus, but I'm certainly not with somebody that's ordaining le- gays and lesbians into the ministry. I'm just not because this, this scripture doesn't teach that. It doesn't, it doesn't hold that to be true. So I'm not with that at all. But I'm for them, I'm, and I'm going to tell you, this church is not with that either, Spring Place. I want you to know that. that they don't hold those positions either. But the, 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 the idea that, that there could be many, maybe over the years, a ton, a ton of folks that <clears throat> could come to the kingdom through an otherwise, otherwise uh, 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 scarred belief system. Can God do Absolutely. He can use anything and any, anybody he wants to, anytime he wants to even if we're not seeing the very things we need to see. And so I, I'm for them. I hope many come to the kingdom through that denomination and, and, and many churches that are part of that. Um, but I, as I've shared with you before, I'm neither for nor with Jesse Jackson. I think he's a charlatan. I think he's a fake. I think he's, 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 he's one of the antichrists that is talking about. I mean, that's just what I believe about him. Why? Because I have, I have heard comment and I've known people that have been with him behind the scenes. I'm going to tell you who he is behind the scenes and who he is in public are two totally different people. And um, I think he's capitalized. In fact, I think race relations in our country would be far better, far down the road if people like him didn't exist. I think he's doing more harm than good to, to race relations in our country. And uh, the, the fact that he's race baiting 
Well, I didn't mean to get off on that. But he, that's, that's, I, I'm not with him. I'm not for him. In fact, I hope everything he does fails but for, the, for, a very, for the very reason that he's about him. And he's about, he's about keeping racial tension alive so that he's got a platform. Racial tension leaves, he don't have a pro- platform because I'm going to tell you, nobody wants to hear anything he's got to say from any pulpit or anywhere in America. However, he has an agenda, and the agenda really doesn't have anything to do with the kingdom. I, I, I'm offended, to be honest with you. People call him reverend. I'm offended by that, with, with that association, because I don't, I don't make that association or that alignment whatsoever. Anyway, didn't mean to go there, but th- that's the thing I'm talking about. Th- your associations and your alignments, the people you associate with and the people you, you, you're with, I'm with, those are important. Why? Because they're a testimony. They're a testimony of people in your life, around your world, whether they're inner circle friends or peripheral friends. They're a testimony to the fact that this person aligns himself and associates with it. So by that, I'm going to, make, I'm going to connect the dots. I'm going to say, they believe that too. Sometimes that may or may not be true. We need to be careful about our associations. Now, hear me say this. Uh, Jesus was about associating with a bunch of pagans, lost folks, tax collectors, thieves, thugs. He associated with all kinds of folks, and you and I should too. But our alignment should be something altogether different. He didn't align himself there. That's this whole separation of being in the world and not of the world, of, of, of walking with sin but not condoning sin at the same, at the same time. And so our associations, we, we need to pursue. In fact, we're, we're, we're too holy huddleish as it is. We need to find more lost people to hang around. We need to find more lost people to engage our life with. Why? Because they need Jesus, and they're not going to see him if, they, if we don't engage them. So Because many of them, them are off-put by you and I because they think we think we're better than them, and we know better. That's what they think. So those associations are something that's altogether important that we pursue. But alignments are something altogether different. Those are important things. And he's saying here, you can go backwards in a, in a hurry. You can go backwards just like that by aligning yourself with, with deceitful truth, with, with truth that doesn't look like God's Word. So what we believe not only needs to be grounded in the Word of God, but it's going to be tested by our culture. Your belief system, your value system, your priorities, your bedrock things and mine are going to be challenged by our culture, and they are. Um, Never thought I would see the day that you and I live in today where, where you and I are maligned for believing the things we believe. But we are, we are, that's, that's growing. It's, not, it's intensifying. It's not getting less. Thirdly, what you believe should determine lasting relationships. Look at what he says in 9 to 11. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring his teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. Um, as I said, these alignments, these relationships, um, they're important. It's important the things that you allow through the firewall of your life. I don't know what, what your security system is. I don't know how many fortresses you have of, of the things that you allow into your life, that you allow into your mind, that you allow into your home, that you allow into relationships, that you tolerate in conversation that over and over and over again. I don't know where the firewalls are, but there needs to be some. He's saying in these, in, in these verses, there needs to be. He's saying if you allow these charlatans in by association with them, you're absorbing the very things culturally, at least. The culture is going to see you're absorbing the very things that they believe in. And he said that may, not, may or may not be true about your, your relationships, but that's the assumption that's going to be made. Those, these relationships, these, uh, these, these, certainly these inner circle people, should meet some criteria in your life, and I, I'm going to give you one or two or three. Um, and he, and he, he's pretty strong language here in, 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 in this verse. He says in, in verse 10, uh, 
anyone comes to you and does not bring his teaching, do not take them into your house. In essence, there should be, a, there should be some, some guardrails in place in your life and in your world. And let's look at your in-your-house terms of, of saying, this is into my world, into my life, into my relationships. So the things you allow into your house, into your, into your world, should, should I, I think, be consistent with what he says here in this text, which one should be true to the word. We've talked about this, and that's what he means by this thing. Of make them bring their teaching. Make, make sure that the people you allow into your house, into your world, into your, that you've absorbed into relationship, make sure you know what they believe. Make sure they bring their teaching. Ask them about it. Are you, and I, I've done that before with, with folks that are uh, certainly not aligned with where you and I believe, with, with our uh, either, either spiritually liberal friends or culturally liberal friends. You know, I'll, I'll hear a, a phrase from time to time, and if, uh, if, the, if the situation's right, I'll, I'll look at a person and I'll say, do you really believe that? Is that what you really believe? Or are you just spouting back off the things you've heard someone else say or that you've read in someone else's book? Do you really believe that? And so that's the very thing he's talking about here in these verses to say, make sure they, they bring their teaching. Make sure there's some exposure to what they believe. You're letting them into your house, letting them into your world. And in essence, you're opening, up, opening yourself up at some level of vulnerability with them in relationship to say, I'm kind of with these people or I'm aligning myself here. He says, make sure you know what they believe. Make them bring their teaching. It needs to be true to the Word of God. Those kind of relationships, those lasting relationships, need to be true to the Word of God. Secondly, they need to be good, good for the kingdom. That's what he means here by this phrase, they run ahead. Um, if anyone comes to you and does not bring his teaching, or verse 9, uh, if anyone who runs ahead and is not, not continuing the teaching does not love God, does not love his Word. So if they're running ahead and leaving the Word behind, forming their own theology, as many of us oftentimes do, doesn't it say in the Bible somewhere that, God loves those who, who, who uh, or God helps those who help themselves. No, it doesn't. That's not in the scripture. It sounds good if you like sounds, but that's not in the scripture anywhere. Um, uh, so make sure that the things that we believe that we're, we're basing principles and relationships on are true to the word of God. And we don't run ahead and add to the things that are here, he says. They need to be true to the word of God. They need to be good for the kingdom. In essence, to say, I'm aligning myself with God at his pace. I'm growing at his pace. I'm walking in his will. I'm growing at his pace, and I'm aligning myself with people who are wanting to do those same things, that we can challenge each other in this destiny or in this walk together. Um, and, and, and thirdly, um, not only is it, should, should those relationships be true to the word and good for the kingdom, they, they thirdly ought to be good for you. The, the people that you allow into your world, into your house, past the firewall, ought to be good for you. They, ought to be, they should be pushing you to godliness, pushing you to, uh, uh, to, 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 to Christ-likeness. Um, as I said, mom was right in saying the company you keep is a reflection of who you are. And, and, th- and that's true by association or by our alignments. Um, that's, that's altogether true. Um, let me just tell you, to be honest with you, just to tell you that godly and loyal and honest and selfless people in your inner circle that's hard to find. I mean, it's just hard to find. It really is. Godly, honest, loyal, be, they'll be loyal to you regardless. Selfless, that's looking out for your good, not their own, what they can get out of the relationship. That's, that's hard. That's why I'm going to tell you that they're probably going to number on one hand or less. It's hard to find those kind of people in your world and, and draw them in to where you're building a relationship. You can walk with each other and challenge. You can walk with each other. In, in, in this, not, not in the sense of competition, but in the sense of there should be some friction and there should be enough freedom to create friction in those relationships to say, hey, is this right? Should we be, 
Should we be doing this? Should we be thinking this way? Should we be allowing? Should we be raising our kids this way? Should we be, we be doing things with money? This is this right? Is this look like there, there should be that, that room in those kind of relationships for that kind of friction to challenge each other? Say, ah, let's let's rethink this. Let's go back and see what God's word says about this, and let's get some counsel about this. But I'm going to tell you, that's hard to find. It's hard to find those kind of folks. And when you find them, and you know you have, whether it's one, whether it's five, when you find them, you guard them. You, guard, you defend those relationships. You, you, you cherish them. You hold them to be, to be of, of incredible value. Why? Because I'm going to tell you, they're just not out there. This world doesn't have relationships like that. It doesn't want them. It doesn't want to pursue relationships like that. If we can keep each other at a safe distance to where, you know, I look okay with you because if we're this distance. I look okay with her. We're at the, if we can keep each other at a safe distance to where I'm the only one that knows my garbage and my crap and my junk, that's far far more comfortable way to live than allowing someone into our world and into our walk, which he's commanding us here to do, to say we need to, we need to be challenged with each other. We need to be challenged with this belief and walk according to God's word in the, in the midst of all of that. Uh, that's just rare. It's just, I'm just going to be honest with you and tell you, tell you it's really rare. So when we find those people, we need to guard those relationships and we need to defend those relationships at whatever cost because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The enemy's going to attack you or them or both of you. He's going to try and drive a wedge to say, did you really say that? Did you really think that? Was that what this conversation was about? Was that what this, did you really, and he's going to try and drive a wedge between those relationships. You know why? Because he knows they're going to push you to godliness. They're going to push them to godliness. And he's going to try and keep everything in the world to keep that from happening. Expect the attack of the enemy to pull those relationships apart. Why? Because he knows they're for your good and they're for kingdom good and they're for, for, for God's glory. And he's going to, all those, all those things he's, He's not going to allow it to happen if he can help it at all. So expect his attack. Expect his injecting his nose into your business because he will on a regular basis and drive it further and further until he can start to chip away at that, chip away at this. And he's, he's faithful to do that. Well, kind of in conclusion here, why, why is it really so, so, is it really that important what we believe? I mean, can we just not, as many do, muddle through? I mean, is it, is, not, is it not okay just to muddle through and to kind of do the best we can do? He's saying here that what we believe is really important, and it really is, because here's why. What you believe shapes how you live, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not. What you believe shapes how you live, and how you live reveals what you love, whether you like it or not. How you live reveals the things you love, reveals the things that are important to you. Now, that's why the connecting those two dots is vitally important with the Word of God. That's the connect. That's the dot connector. What we believe, what we believe shapes how we live, and how we live reveals what we love. Now, connecting those two dots should be based on the Word of God. If we're living according to His Word and we're loving according to His Word, guess what? The glory goes to Him. We're loving each other well. We're, we're, we're lining ourselves with the truth of God's Word, and the glory for all of that goes to Him. You know why? Because it's totally unnatural. We can't conjure this up. You and I aren't good enough to think of this, first of all, and we're not good enough to pull this off, second of all. So all the glory for those kind of relationships, all the glory for that kind of living goes to God in the midst of, in the midst of, of a world that's looking for anything that's true, anything that's valid, anything that's bedrock, anything that will work every time. And we'll tell you, those kinds of things, the kind of things that he talks about in his, in his word and certainly in Second John here, do. I may talk about what I want to be, and many do. But what I do, that really reveals who I am. 
and you've been around folks that say, you know, I'm, I'm, I think that's good, or I think this is good. This is good behavior. This is a good, uh, good belief system to have. This is a good church to go to. This is a good friend to have. We talk about the things we want to do, but the things we do, that really reveals who we are. I talk about church is important to me. And it's the, the getting together with believers and, and loving on each other and f- having fellowship together and challenging each other is, is and I, I'll, I'll tell friends, that's important. But, you know, a church that starts at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, it's hard to get to it sometimes, isn't it? The things we do reveals what we really love, not what we say, not what we think or, or yeah, that'd be good. I, I'd like to get, kind of get plugged in with that. And be involved. The things we do reveal who we are, not what we say. And guess what? People pick up on that, and they get it. They can read between the cracks, read between the lines of your, your life and mine, as well as anybody else. And so that's why what we believe is vitally important, and that's why uh, the, the, the connecting these dots between what we really love and what we really believe should be done by the Word of God. Why? Because people are examining those things every day in your life and in my life, and it's important that we reveal the right thing. So here's this final question as we close. And that's this, is your life telling the story, of what, an accurate story of what you really believe? And as we looked at in past weeks, you're telling a story of some kind. Your life is revealing something, verbal, nonverbal, relational, non-relational. Your life is revealing a story every day. And there's a piece to that puzzle every day. There's people, people you work with, your family, your friends, they, they look at your life from the outside in. That pieces together over time, your life telling a story. Is it telling an accurate story of the things you really believe? Or is it something that somehow is closely resembles that from time to time? Looks like it on Sunday, Thursday afternoon, Friday night. I don't know. Is our life telling an accurate story of the things we really believe? What we really believe is important. It's vitally important because it affects the decisions we make. It affects and reveals the things we love. That needs to point to Christ. Your life and mine does. It needs to point to Him. It needs to point to the the validity and the value of his word. And the relationships we have need to point to those things. The people we've surrounded ourselves, allowed into that inner circle, need to point to those things, need to push us in that direction, whether it's a convenient or whether it's hard. And most times it's hard. We need those kinds of people in our life, and our life needs to reflect that kind of belief system. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.